Hi everybody, you are listening to the Raw Podcast with Fox and Maya. Thanks for supporting the show. This is a show with adult content, so if you're not of legal age where you live, then turn off now. This podcast is about rope bondage. Rope bondage is edge play with inherent risk, and we strongly recommend you get proper training and listen to episode zero before attempting it. Find it at the top of our FetLife page, Rope Podcast. Fox is a rigger and Maya is a bottom, and we're rope partners who've been practicing together for around four years. And as always, we're excited to share our passion for rope with you. And we live in the beautiful city of Bangkok. This episode is sponsored by Friction Live. Friction Live is the place where you can get your rope education through Zoom from the comfort of your own home. You can watch it live or watch a recording after the class has happened as you prefer. You can find more about them on frictionlive.ca. So thank you Friction Live for sponsoring this episode and for your lovely content that we enjoy very much. I am dreaming of a rope bunny Just like the ones I used to know Merry Christmas, Maya! Happy Christmas, Fox! Maya, this is our Christmas episode and you know what we do for Christmas? Uh, do we have a special surprise for the we listeners? We really do because we have pulled together some special bonus material from our guests across the year and they are all going to tell us about their favorite rope scene. Oh, this is one of my favorite episodes. And why is it one of your favorite episodes, Maya? Because I really like hearing what real people do in real play. It's true that when we talk about rope, either on this podcast or within the rope community in general, we often talk about it in very abstract terms and talking about the reality of what kind of play people really enjoy doing. It's so fascinating, isn't it? It really is. Plus, you can learn a lot and get a lot of inspiration you can use in your own play. Definitely. All right, Maya, let's get to it. Maya, let's start with Rope Legends, Wicked Dave and Clover from uh, Studio Kokoro in the UK. And we had a couple of amazing interviews with them this year. And in particular, Clover is going to talk about a very meaningful scene for her. Whereas Dave gives us a bit more of a review of some important milestones in their long rope relationship. Let's listen. Probably the one that sticks out the most to me is last September we had um, Kurgami and Shuasi come to the studio and do a workshop. And during that workshop, um, one of the exercises to tie, um, we tied and it was just, it just meant so much. And I don't know if it was because it was in the, the atmosphere was was really nice. Like there was so many people in the studio tying, but everyone was really focused on what they were doing. So it was like, it was just like in the air, that atmosphere was really quite potent. It was kind of a bit erotic and everyone was kind of tying and it was really nice. So it was like we were, we were in a crowd, but we were also alone and it was just us. Um, it was also just two weeks before Dave had his surgery as well. So it was quite an emotional time for us. Um, and I think probably what we broke both brought into that tie because we weren't sure if it was going to be the last time we tied together. Um, so it was really, really emotional for both of us. Um, but it was also really like quite, it was really beautiful. 
Um, so, yeah, I think it was just like a combination of so many things. It was like one of those times where just everything went right and mm. we were both in the right uh, mindset. Um, and it like the rope didn't even really matter. Um, it was just like, you know, it was just us and it was that connection. And I think we were so, I know definitely I was, I know we were both really grateful for that time and you know Kurigami and Shivasi are great friends so it's just wonderful being in their class and um yeah just it was a really nice moment for a lot of different reasons and for me it was emotional like I think I was crying from like the moment like before before you even touched me with rope um right till the end um so it was really emotional um but like in a really good way um so I think that one sticks out to me. It wasn't anything particularly spectacular or anything like that. It was just, it just felt really amazing. It felt really like, I don't know, it's hard to put it into words, but it just, it, it really sticks out yeah. over anything else. Yeah. It's beautiful. <laughs> it's really hard to choose though. <laughs> yeah, I know. And what about you, David? Ah. I guess I shouldn't pick the same one. Um, because no, you, sh you should pick that time you tied the girl with a really nice tits. <laughs> yeah. Just, just to give a bit of a contrast with the poetic well, beauty of yeah, Clover's yeah. example. That was a very good uh, there English was, there expression. Have, there have been many girls with many nice tits. There have, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah no. um, can I... Do you mind if I pick more than one? Go for it. Okay. Um... I'm going to say the first time we were tied seriously because that was like the beginning of everything. And if we hadn't done that, maybe we'd have just never have ended up together. Um, the carpet yeah. <laughs> That's the carpet burn one with your face slammed in the floor. Yes. That one was good. It was good. I've got to say, and I mean, it probably wasn't the best technique or anything no. at the time, but it was very significant. And I'm going to, Say that because it started the emotional roller coaster that has been our lives yeah. together. Um, I'm also going to say the one that you mentioned because it was like you didn't know if that was the last time, and that was very emotionally intense for both of us. But also, that there have been scenes that I, I feel were turning points. Um, like when we've had things not go well, mm, yeah. like we've done conferences, we've done a couple of performances and the first one has, even if people haven't noticed from the outside for us, for some reason it sucked. Mm. And then we've done uh, another show with a lot of pressure on us. And it's been like, that was great. That was the best thing we ever did. We've never tied so well. Everything was perfect. And um, it's it's almost like, and I don't know if it's weird to say this, that, that you, you need something to go wrong sometime to inspire you and make you try harder and get up and, you know, go for it more. Interesting. So I'm going to say, like, it's like the ones that stick out to me have been turning point ones um, emotionally as well as um, technique-wise. It's, it's not just one thing. There have been a lot of significant scenes. And I think that's a thing that, um, 
we're very lucky to have had, that we've had a lot of scenes that have been significant to us emotionally. They've not just been like, we did that, it was technically perfect, move on. It was like, um, you know, oh, it was picture perfect, honestly, it was. Um, But no, it's not like that. And some of the the best ones were quieter. Some of them were... I think a lot Small. of it. Was, Some of them were on the floor and hardly, yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of it has to do with um, wouldn't you're, the mindset you're in. Because mm. uh, sometimes everything can be right, but actually you're just not, you're not there in, yeah. in your mind. Um, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so the mindsets have been right. And also the atmosphere slash location environment have been mm. right as well. Yeah. Like we've, We've done, I, I say performances, our performances are really when we actually get to have fun together. Yeah. <laughs> um, so like we've done some performances in very big kind of industrial spaces. Um, and then we've also done performances in more intimate settings where, you know, it's a smaller venue and there's people closer to you. And those are the ones that tend to get things mm. go better. Yeah. Whereas in that industrial big kind of space it's just sucking the energy yeah out it of just you. it yeah. just sucks the energy out of you whereas um in those small intimate settings and that could even be at home just alone together mm. um or like just with a small group of people um or something like that really make a difference because you feel it's not just the two of you and your mindset you you actually get something from the people watching as well it's, it makes it more potent mm-hmm. Um, so that can really make a difference. Yeah. Like, um, yeah. dog close intense. Yeah, definitely. Where you can feel free to be vulnerable. Yeah, definitely. And I think when we do our live King Baku nights at the studio, we try and get people to sit like, so the performers will be on, like in the middle on tatami mats or something, and we get people to sit close to the line so because it creates them, yeah. that really nice atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there's so many different factors that can make things go right and be really memorable. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, All right. Thank you for sharing. That was really beautiful. What do you think of that, Maya? Um, I think one of the really interesting themes there, especially from two people who are so experienced technically in rope, was that the focus was on the emotions, was on the feelings that both of them were having in the different scenes, um, was on the idea of what is meaningful emotionally in those scenes rather than, you know, what were the knots, what was the position? What yeah, you- it really wasn't like I did a TK version 3 revision not 07 in the NACA style. It was all about the feelings between them, right? Very much so. And very emotionally charged. Um, and talking about that scene they did before uh, Dave's surgery was quite affecting, I think. It's a really emotionally charged time between them because of their life circumstances. Yeah, the context is really important. So um, Dave recently had brain surgery, right, for uh, having a tumor removed. And obviously they were worried what the consequences of that might be. And it seems to have really charged that whole period of their lives in a very understandable understandable way. Yeah, and that was their last scene before the surgery. And so they have this really interesting discussion about them being alone in the crowd whilst you've got that atmosphere around them. Mm. Speaking of atmosphere and crowd, it's true that Dave and Clover do role performances, which is not something you and I do. No, we don't do And that. so it's quite interesting to hear their perspective on what that feels like 
from the side of the performers. Yeah, and you've got the influence of the venue, the influence of the audience on the feel of the performance. It's not a one-way thing, it's a two-way thing. And dear listeners, if you haven't heard their full interviews yet, you can hear more about Clover and Wicked Dave in episodes 63 and 82. So Fox on next uh, story is Miranda, um, who was doing Friction Live at the time. Mm -hmm. And this is an origin story, really. So this is her starting to be uh, an active bottom, which became a catalyst for many things for her. So let's listen. Generally, I like really challenging, twisty, upside down things that make me work really hard. But when I was thinking about my favorite scene, I can't even really remember the details of what exactly was happening. That's always a good sign. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Generally, I had two modes when I was first starting. I had a lab mode where I was really conscious about my movements and what was going on. And then a scene mode where I was more or less being taken for a ride and I wasn't really active. Mm -hmm. But in this particular scene, I was partway through and I noticed that I needed something moved. And I said that I needed something moved. And then I realized that I'd never actually done that before. And through the rest of the scene, I noticed I was shifting to make a challenging time more sustainable or leaning into the top and actively engaging in really what was going on, um, contributing to the scene rather than just sort of receiving it. And I realized at the end of the scene that I was kind of getting good at the whole rope thing mm-hmm. and becoming um, c- coming into my own as a bottom. And that became kind of a catalyst for how I wanted to do rope in the future and how I wanted to teach. I wrote a Fed article about it. And just that moment of realizing I'm a rope bottom and this is, I'm good at it. And this is something that I can expand on. Um, that to me was probably my favorite uh, moment in rope so far. So it was like your active bottoming awakening. <laughs> Exactly. It went from being a bystander or just a receiver of rope to an active participant in in shibari or in rope bondage. That's really sweet. Thank you so much, Miranda, for sharing that with us. Yeah, thank you for asking. (laughs) Definitely an intense experience for her, shown by the fact that she can actually so much remember the details of the scene itself. Yeah, it's interesting to hear that it's the emotional resonance of the scene that's the thing that stays with her rather than the particular tie. Hmm. Absolutely. And definitely it sounds like she found the style of bottoming that works for her in that moment, which is not going necessarily to be the same style that would work for someone else, but she really had a bit of an epiphany saying, oh, this is the kind of person I want to be in rope. Yep, and it was a very empowering moment, it seems. Hmm. So you can listen to the rest of Miranda's interview in episode 69 of the Rope Podcast. Next, we move from Canada to New York City, United States, and we hear the stories of Zero G and Sam J. And I say stories, Maya, because they were so enthusiastic. They kept coming up with more stories to tell us. Um, One of my favorites was um, we... So Sam J and I have this wonderful yes and collaboration style together. And it's something that evolved really naturally. And so once I came home and, uh, and the, the apartment was just filled with this massive web. And so I, I, you know, texted him and I'm just like, ah, oh, like, like, 
what's what's going on? Are you okay? Yeah. So so to give you some background, a massive web is a bad sign. Okay. I don't want to tie up space. I want to tie people I care about. So tying up space is a sign something's wrong. Yeah. So I was like, oh man, like, like, is everything okay? And he sort of uh, describes what is up. And when he gets home, he says like, okay, so we're going to maybe like do some rope suspending you from the web. And then we're going to untie the web. And uh, that was so disappointing to me because after we tied me into the web a little bit, it was just like, but 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 the playground, like I didn't touch it before you got home because I was afraid of ruining it. It's like you're gonna you're gonna take away my playground, and so um, we start untying. And I say like, well, can I climb in it while I help untie? She's like, yeah, feel free. And, and so- this this sounds really good to me because I'm also a lazy man, mm-hmm. and uh, and so it's like, uh, yeah. And then, uh, and then how did we get to the idea? Um, well, I think that you just sort of kept on tying while I was up there and, uh, I felt a line sort of slacken underneath me as, as you, uh, untied the end. And, um, like I think my face lit up and your face probably lit up too. And we were just sort of like, the floor is lava. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but then it got really good because then we'd made a game out of it. Yeah. And the game was that Gigi had to untie all the ropes while being on the ropes. There were twelve ropes. And so each rope that comes down could drop her or drop mm-hmm. the whole thing. And uh it was about counting how many ropes are left when she fell. Yes. <laughs> and so it got progressively work. As you can imagine, trying to balance yourself on one or two you know, six millimeter lines, yeah. uh, that's painful, but oh, the man, creative yeah. shapes that she made, I sat back on my sofa and I took a thousand shots because I was just loving the aerial ballet and creativity of how she would reach for things, how she would solve the puzzle. And, uh, it made my night. Oh, I'm just so glad to get to hear things like this through his perspective because he has a very flattering view of me. Whereas I was probably thinking like fumbling, bumbling, and uh, uh, like fussing with things. And well, but struggle is and- very hard, right? Struggle, like, <laughs> struggle more, you know, pretend that it's hard. Uh, and then she just had so much fun. That's so much fun. But maybe that's not actually our favorite. Um, yeah. So I guess. Um, do you have an idea? I also, I also like uh, the hot sauce Hashira. So Hashira, oh, that, was, also, that was early days. Right. So the Hashira uh, tends to have some emotional impact to some people. They feel the abandonment. They, they feel like, you know, birds Crows are ready to, to peck at them. Peck at them. Uh, but some people don't. And Gigi didn't really have an emotional response to it. But we I, both like smiling broadly. <laughs> we we both kind of uh, like spicy food. So I decided to apply hot sauce. Uh, you to come intensify. To Thailand. Sorry, what? You should come to Thailand if you like spicy food. We have plenty of Oh, um, we're going to so enjoy taking the, the hottest things that you have to offer and um, enhancing Hashira's <laughs> with them. <laughs> we, we did, uh, there's an event called Fusion uh, here in the States, and uh, we did Fusion Communion where we uh, gave everybody what? Uh, Was the world's hottest pepper at the time, uh, the Carolina Reaper. To ingest without any any safeguards, no uh, nothing to uh, you know uh, reduce the impact and just to endure it. But anyways, so, at this time, yeah, yeah, I applied hot sauce as an intensifier, and that was a pretty good result. I got some you know good responses, but it still wasn't enough. So I started punching her. Just, just to be <laughs> clear, you mean hot sauce applied orally or somewhere else? 
uh, vaginally. Okay. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so that's hot sauce with Shira, but I don't think that was our best one. I think our best one, if you don't mind to hear it, was about the time that we went over to my boss's place. Oh, right. yeah. That sounds so, interesting. Um, it was great. And this is his, his corporate, uh, finance bro boss in, uh, in New York City. We had our friends down from Boston for the weekend. And so we wanted to show them a good time. And uh, space is a really big premium in New York City. Mm-hmm. And so we can't just sort of cram everybody into the Jersey City apartment all weekend. Uh, and his boss has this incredible penthouse apartment on the 26th floor in the Upper East Side. <sighs> right. So uh, I've been out to my boss for a long time. Uh, it's it's a case that you build trust in and, uh, you know, it's just uh, – uh, a really great thing to be out. And it's also, you know, it really helps you if, you know, you know, somebody wants to out you that you're already out. So it's also sort of an insurance program. But, but it's anyway, also so a huge luxury. It is a huge luxury. And it's one that, you know, I have. But anyway, so space is a premium. Want to entertain our friends, uh, Jessica and, uh, and a few other people. And, uh, and so anyways, I tell my boss, Hey, look, I got these friends. We want to do a, a little shibari shoot. Uh, the photos are on FetLife if you dig for them. And uh, can we come over? And he's like, yes, I'll have everything that you need. What do you need? Uh, you know, and I'm like, champagne be great. Uh, and he's like, yeah, what else? What else? <laughs> and he's so excited. And so anyways, Gigi and uh, Jessica and a few other people come over. And the women immediately strip. And my boss's eyes are immediately big. This is like magic to him. He's like, uh, he doesn't get these are, you know, uh, charismatic, energetic, you know, fully in tune exhibitionists and kinksters that this is, you know, normal behavior for us. He's just blown, he's blown away immediately. And we haven't even done anything. We, we really like uh, occasionally just blowing his mind wide open. It's, it's really entertaining. Yeah. So anyways, uh, you know, so now we're in an environment where we have all these creative people that really want to do hot, dirty things. And uh, everybody starts collaborating and directing and we get Jessica's tied up and we start the scene where my boss is at the center of the scene and he's he's portraying a dom like he doesn't know what a dom is, but he, he has this innate idea of what it is and he's trying to work and Jessica's a brat so she's behaving like a brat and then he's got to punish her and then uh she turns the table on him uh one of the people there that was there uh ties my boss up and this is the first time my boss is being tied so so this is all completely uh, a fiction right mm-hmm. but at the same time it's-, it's also very real that he's in a tk in his home and that now there is a naked woman sitting on his desk holding his cigar uh, with, with her foot on him. Like uh, that, that's pretty real to me. Yeah, it is, is where you go from something that is staged and directed and it becomes real. And that's exactly what's happening here. And, and Jessica's looking at his phone and mocking him for his Tinder profile. <laughs> Which, by the way, uh, is now a trophy photo with three naked women on his terrace from that night. <laughs> Obviously. Yeah, and so, uh, and so then that was awesome and uh, totally fun. And then uh, we did a dual suspension on his stairwell. And then we went up to the second floor of his pan-out apartment where he has a terrace, which – uh, is extremely posh thing to have. And then uh, we saw this railing. We saw the railing. We like railings. <laughs> so we, we had this we had this pet peeve of seeing like 
all these people tied on the inside of a railing, compressed in this like half space where it's almost not even a suspension. It's kind of like, and it's also ultimately safe. Like what I think is unsafe. It's so, it's so safe. It's safer than anybody who was tying them uh, by definition. Right. Or standing next to the railing. Exactly. You're less safe just standing. So what scares the living daylights out of me is somebody kneeling on the inside of a railing tied in a TK. Because yeah. somebody could come over and lift them up and throw them over, and there's nothing they could do. Uh, or, right? or they stand up and they lose their balance, or they feel the pull of the void. That's dangerous to me. <laughs> that but, damn void. But you know, somebody tied to a railing. A railing is designed to hold your weight. I mean, that's that's what it's there for. It's like, yep. uh, you know. Uh, so of course we had to do something with Gigi. Yeah, and so um, you know, there I am, naked, and we're all excited and want to do fun shit. And so um, Sam J bent me over the railing so that my naked ass is in the air and um, that my whole upper body is um, is over looking 26 floors down. He uh, ties my ankles to the inside of the railing off the ground so that I can feel the air underneath. It's very uh-huh. important to him. Um, then wrists on the outside down by my ankles uh, with hands on the inside so that they could serve as champagne flute holders. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, uh, uh, sure yeah. So that was so fun. And, and, uh, Sorry, and what? Put it, I'm sure we can find a photo on your profile and we'll put it in the Christmas episode show notes for our listeners to uh, enjoy. Oh, oh, thank you. We had so much fun. Yeah, thanks so much. Yeah, and it sounds so amazing. It was, Actually, we're uh, looking at the photo right now. It looks amazing. <laughs> we found we it had so much fun. So and, there, were, and, there was, there was yeah. laughter. There were champagne glasses and there were cigars. And there was a girl uh, suffering, blowing in the wind, staring uh, 26 floors down at her death. It sounds what like more you have a nice life. In a party? It's yeah, and, and the other thing is, like, we've, we've created this, like, this story and this experience for my boss that, like, yeah. he asked me every couple of weeks – when are those girls coming back? <laughs> you know, it's like, this is like a story. He probably showed that photo to his parents. Yeah. Like, so you've basically look, created the high watermark success. of his life there. Yes. Yeah. You know, definitely a, a big highlight. And so oh, it was, right. it was a huge highlight for us too, because it was uh, sort of this a example of, experience. yeah. And like this, this idea of anything can happen. Right. right. And that's what, that's what we love about the, the fetish community is that if you, ask for it and you ask in an appropriate way, you might actually get it. And so it is not just like all of these other things. It is the fantastical space that, that we can do so many uh, interesting and fun and erotic and decadent things. Yeah. And so I think that that might be both of our favorite scene. Sounds yeah. amazing. Thank you for sharing that with us, guys. Hey, guys. This is Fox coming in for a short break. We really love making this podcast and sharing it with you. But your support can really help us pay for the hosting, the equipment, and other critical costs. So if you like this podcast and you want to support us, you can do so at ropepodcast.com. You'll find ways to buy rope tutorials and gear so we get a small commission from your purchase at no extra cost to you. In addition, you could also donate to us directly on our Patreon, either as a one-off amount or monthly support that can be as little as the price of a cup of coffee. If you can't afford to do that, that's okay. Just enjoy the podcast and maybe tell a kinky friend or two about it. Now back to today's episode. So Maya, you were actually shaking with a little bit of fear just hearing about the concept of being tied on a 26th floor looking down. Yeah, I have some uh, height issues in terms of uh, vertigo, so I would not enjoy that so much. 
I think the theme for me of these guys is is that flirting with um, excitement and danger and fun um, and the potential. There's so much potential in the way they play that anything could happen. Mm. They definitely do rope in a slightly different way than our rope in New York City, I will say. We like the decadent rope orgies and the penthouses and the naked people running around the apartment. We should do more of that. I don't think I should introduce any of my bosses to... Um, <laughs> I mean, it sounds to me like his boss had a really good time, though, a time of his life. Uh, it very much does. It very much does. I thought the uh, Hashira story was interesting, too, um, not just for the hot sauce, which... Um, I mean, hot sauce in the pussy is interesting, I though. I think it sounds quite uh, fiery. Um, oh. <laughs> but also the idea of um, Hashira's evoking abandonment in bottoms is not something I think I've experienced. So yeah, it's you, interesting you don't to get hear. that so much with the Hashiras? I don't think so. Um, interesting right. to see if our uh, listeners do. Feel free to comment on the episode, people. Okay. And then there's the rope web thing where it sounds like they really had nice, playful fun. And there's a very, like, primal joy in that i think yeah very much so and we'll definitely link to some photos for this one because they have some great ones so if you want to hear more from zero g and sam j then you can listen to episodes 72 and 73 so our next scene is from Macuol, and we're staying in the u.s and i think game of thrones fans are going to want to hear this one my most memorable rope scene i feel like all of my most memorable rope scenes always start as like artistic ideas that kind of like meld into these like sexy things and um one of the ones that i recently did um the top has a creepy basement and I have a, I have a thing for, I have quite a thing for creepy basements. And, and so, um, I was, um, I, I was, I was, I was kind of chained up in the creepy basement and I had a really cute, uh, Shima pan bikini on and, um, and so I, I was kind of just there, um, waiting for, and, and I was blindfolded, so I didn't really know what I was waiting for. Mm -hmm. Um, so, uh, I, I, I was kind of waiting there for a while and, um, yeah, uh, things happened and, um, it, the the bikini uh it was a i don't know how 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 explicit can i can i be you can be as explicit as you want this is a very sex positive podcast <laughs> so so the string bikini it, it was a string bikini so um obviously at at a certain point this string bikini um i was fully expecting for it to be pulled off of me and instead it was um it was cut off of me That's and nice. yeah yeah <laughs> so so me being bl blindfolded um that felt great and um this next part is very um 
I don't know. It's very embarrassing for me, but it's also very What's funny. I do like that. <laughs> I like how you're just like, no, go, go, go for absolutely, it. go for it. Um, so I have um, I have a Night King dildo um from Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it, it's because I I. I, I'm really weird, and every single one of my my dildos is either a tentacle or um, some strange color or the Night King, okay. and uh, and <laughs> and and so um, I the 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 person that I was playing with has has a stick, and 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 they affixed the Night King to the stick and um i was being fucked by the night king the night king's dick on a stick and i had feelings about (laughs) i had feelings about it very interesting feelings about it um but uh, yeah, that was. I think that was a recent experience um, that I definitely recall fondly in my in my sad old quarantine days. <laughs> Where's Arya Stark when you need her to save you, right? <laughs> I didn't want Arya to save me. <laughs> I, I was perfectly fine being there. If that was how I was to die, it's <laughs> it's fine. Just. It's Noble fine. Death. <laughs> yes. Thank you so much, Mikey. Hmm, it's lovely to hear the sexual play being enjoyed, being owned. Yeah, that's true. So that's always the elephant in the room, I feel, with rope, is that some people like sex with their rope and some people don't, and that's super okay either way. Uh, what I like less is that when there's sex shaming around rope, like I like people to have the freedom of choosing what they want to do and to express their sexuality if they want to. Very much so. And I think we encourage Mackie Roll very much to express her sexuality there. It was very fun. Definitely. And it was both fun and also very sexy to hear her describe that uh, situation. And it seems like a lot of the fun came from the setup, like the costume she was wearing, the location, the mood. And it sounds like the top did a really good job of building anticipation with her waiting blindfolded, not knowing what was coming. And that's something I'm going to try to keep in mind and use more in my scenes. Great. So if you want to hear more from Makiro, then you can check out episode 75. Maya, do you remember when we interviewed author Andrew James? Yeah, uh, AJ. AJ, exactly. So now we're going to listen to AJ describe his favorite rope scene. I always say that my favorite scene is the one I just did, <laughs> the last one I just did. So what I will tell you about is the scene I did last night, um, oh. which was incredibly simple and inc- satisfying. So this was simply a, a two-column tie of the uh, forearms to the thighs, and then with the extra rope from that, uh, pulled, pulling those thighs up and back, securing yeah. the rope on the headboard, and that's it. <laughs> oh, very nice bedroom bondage. Exactly. That's nice. What did you like about that tie? Um, I personally find uh, rope on the inner thigh 
it's uh, very, it's just very erotic for me, but it's also something that my girl really enjoys. Um, and of course the, the, you know, the end result is a position that is very accessible and yeah. we like that. Definitely. Okay. That's beautiful. Thank you for sharing with us. Thank you. So here we've got an example of the recency effect. So loving most the scene that you just did. And there's something nice about that, this enthusiasm of, oh, I'm always going to do more rope and I'm always going to have more favorites because my last scene is always going to be my favorite. Yeah, that's beautiful. I, I like the simple bedroom bondage and the aspect of it's rope for a purpose. You're putting a person in a certain position because you want to do a certain kind of play with them or display them in a certain way. Yeah, and I think for our listeners, um, it really shows that the rope does not have to be complex to be mm -hmm. beautiful. So if you want to hear more from AJ, then check out episode 76 and episode 77. And for our last guest story today, we have Abby Bex. And we met Abby Bex when she taught a class on emotional sadomasochism with Friction Live. And so we asked her what her favorite emotional sadomasochism scene was. I actually, I want to say in one of the, one of the first times actually, uh, I taught this class in, in person, um, which is kind of a weird answer. And I'm surprising myself a little bit as I say this. Um, so when we, when we teach this in person or when we, when we do this as a, as a class format, um, the, we do a bit of a demo portion and we always tell people we've, we've done some kind of quick negotiation in terms of where I'm at, if there's anything off limits, um, obviously if we're doing it for educational purposes, it's going to be scaled back a bit. Um, but we always tell, tell people, you know, I don't know what he's going to do to me. <laughs> um, and a lot of the times he doesn't either until the end of the class. And then usually he's picked up ideas and to use against me. And the first time we did this, he, I had, um, been I had talked about imposter syndrome a bit, um, and, and how I'm full of it. <laughs> and he tied me up, uh, and it was, it was a pretty simple, like stress tie, like wrist tied above my head, kneeling kind of thing. And then he sat up there, uh, in front of his class and told me nice things. <laughs> um, and told me, you know, like, you know, that all these people were here, you know, to hear what I had to say and that I'm a knowledgeable bottom and he loves me and all. And I'm like, you know, this is like all over the course of maybe 10 minutes. Torturing and, brief kindness. Yes. And I was in tears at the end of this. And like, you can see the class sort of sitting there, like not knowing what to do. Um, and what I love about it was it was it was just such a great way to kind of show the range of this that, you know, what you think may be sadistic uh, may not be. And what you think might be kindness, maybe cruelty. <laughs> um, so that was, that was a really fun one. Um, just in terms of how much I think it, it surprised me. Um, yeah. It sounds brilliant. Very so, creative. Uh, yeah, it was, it was good. <laughs> 
So that's a bit different, Maya. What did you think of it? I thought it was super fun that the emotional sadomasochism in the story wasn't necessarily what you would expect. No, he really flipped the table on her with that one, didn't he? He did. Um, and it sounds like it wasn't premeditated. It was in the moment. Um, but it sounds like it really messed with her expectations in terms of what she thought was going to happen. Yeah, which I think is quite central to this mindfuck, if we want to call it that, is when you make it look like something's going to happen and you make something completely different happen. Yeah, but equally torturous. And I, I can say as a rope bottom who enjoys emotional sadomasochism, that would be particularly torturous to experience. Mm. You're the best rope bottom, Maya. Stop now. You're so good Stop at it. Now. Like no Stop one can now. compare to you. All right. And so if you want to hear more of uh, Evivex, then you can listen to episode 80. So Maya, it wouldn't really be fair of us to ask our guests to share their personal intimate stories and to not share a story of our own, right? Yeah, so we are also going to talk about one of our favorite scenes of the year. So Maya, what was your favorite rope scene that we did together this year? It was a super fun um, and very intense for me scene uh, around a creation of a tie that you Mm -hmm. did. It was a cooperation between the two of us and we created a whole new tie together. We did. It's a tie that uses bamboo mm-hmm. and that I have christened the Hitsugi. And why did you christen it that? Uh, it was a bit of tongue-in-cheek fun for me because I always wanted to be super pretentious and arrogant and give a bullshit Japanese name to a tie when I don't speak Japanese, I've never been to Japan. My rope is not uh, particularly Japan-inspired. It's a bit more Western, what, although there's elements of both. What does the Hitsugi mean? So Hitsugi means a coffin or a sarcophagus in Japanese. And that's a word I lifted from the credit song of an anime. An anime, So it's okay. super legit as a Japanese cultural reference. Right. Okay. So why did you call it a coffin tie? What does it look like? So basically what I did is I built a rectangular frame out of bamboo and I imprisoned you quite tightly inside there you did you tied my uh, legs and my arms like the length of them to the side Mm -hmm. so i couldn't move at all and i think we might do an episode next season to give uh, our dear listeners more info on the hitsugi tie and how to try and reproduce it at home if they want to it was a lot of fun Mm, definitely Uh, i like the engineering aspect of it coming from an engineering background like trying to make a bamboo structure that would be solid and that would do the job. And in fact, I intend to try to suspend you in it next year. That sounds terrifying. Yeah. So dear listeners, if Maya suddenly disappears from the air in the middle of the 2021 season, you will know why. Ah. Um, well, the, the time was interesting because it wasn't just a rectangle, right? You also had uh, cross pieces. Yeah. And they were doing a bit of a job of pushing into your flesh and compressing your body in various ways. Yeah, it was very rigid, the bamboo. It really pressed down on me. Um, I I really couldn't move at all. I was really going for this entombed feeling, hence the name. Yeah, I think it did very well. And then you did wax, and then Mm -hmm. you you did some knife, and then you did some wax, and then you did some knife. Uh, And by the end of it, I was so spacey um, that you had to feed me lunch. Yeah, you were utterly off your face. I could not uh, function. Luckily, I wasn't working that day. Yeah, so I guess that's a sign of a good time and that's why we remember it as our favorite scene this year. Yeah, it was a very nice scene. 
In the spirit of Christmas sharing, dear listeners, if you would like to tell us about your favorite scene, you can do so in a comment on the writing for this episode on FetLife. And we would love that. So that's all from us at the World Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from and come friend us on our FetLife page, Rope Podcast. And if you would like to support the podcast, find out how on ropepodcast.com. In particular, you can support us directly with a one-time donation or a monthly contribution by our Patreon. Starting in 2021, our patrons will get new special benefits, including the ability to vote on which episode topics we will cover during the season. So now is a great time to send some of your Christmas spirit our way and help us make more episodes to share with you. It's been lovely to spend this year talking about work with all of you, and we've been amazed by the lovely feedback that we've had from the community worldwide. So have a very Merry Christmas, and we'll see you in 2021 for a whole new season of the Rope Podcast. Happy Rope Christmas! Thanks for listening. And have fun tying.